Chapter 4 of In the Pecos Country by Edward Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 Facing Lone Wolf. Fred's few weeks spent in crossing the plains on his way to the valley of the Rio Pecos had taught him much of the ways of the Indians, and he knew that if any of the scamps were in his immediate neighborhood, it would be almost impossible for him to stir from his position by the tree without betraying himself. The lad half suspected that the sound was made by some wild animal that was stealing through the wood, or what was more likely, that it was no more than a falling leaf. But whatever it was, he was determined to learn if the thing were among the possibilities. A veteran Comanche himself could not have picked his way through the undergrowth any better than did he, and when at last he stood upon the edge of the open space and looked around, he was morally certain that no other creature was aware of his movement, nor was he aware of the action of the other party, if there was really such a one, which had been the means of bringing him thither. If some wild animal, or wild Indian, were lurking in the vicinity, he knew how to remain invisible. "'I'll stay here a little while.' Fred at that moment was looking at the cottonwood tree, which, it will be remembered, had been felled directly across the opening, when to his speechless terror the figure of an Indian warrior suddenly rose upright from behind it and stood as motionless as a statue. His action indicated that he was not aware that anyone was standing so near him. He had probably crept up to the log behind which he crouched, until believing he was not in danger of being seen, he arose to his feet and assumed the attitude of one who was using his eyes and ears to their utmost extent. He was of ordinary stature, without any blanket, his long black hair hanging loosely down upon his shoulders, his scarred and ugly countenance daubed and smeared with different colored paint, his chest bare and ornamented in the same fashion, a knife at his girdle, and a long, formidable rifle in his hand. Such were the noticeable characteristics to a superficial observer of Lone Wolf, the Apache chief. For the Indian confronting Fred Munson was really he, and no one else. The lad suspected the identity of the redskin, although having never seen him it amounted only to a suspicion. No matter who he was, however, he was prepared for him. The Apache showed his usual cunning. He was evidently attempting to steal upon the sentinels, and having risen to his feet, he remained motionless and upright, listening for any sign that might betray any motion of the individuals whom he was seeking to slay, as does the assassin at night. "'He must have been after me, for he is right behind where I stood.' thought the boy, as he grasped his rifle more firmly than ever, resolved to fire upon the wretch the moment he attempted to advance. Lone Wolf stood but a minute in the position described, when seemingly he was satisfied that the way was clear, and throwing one moccasin on the trunk, he climbed over as silently as a shadow, and stood again, bolt upright upon the other side. This brought the Indian and boy within ten feet of each other, and still the advantage was all upon the side of the latter, who stood in such deep shadow that he was not only invisible, but his presence was unsuspected. The Indian was not gazing in the direction of the lad, 
but seemed to turn his attention more to the left, toward the spot where Mickey O'Rooney, the Irishman, was stationed. In ignoring the proximity of a boy, it cannot be said that he acted unreasonably. Lone Wolf remained like a carven statue for a few seconds longer, and then began a cautious movement forward. In the moonlight, Fred could observe the motion of the foot and the gradual advance of the body. He felt that it would not do to defer any longer his intention of obstructing him. If permitted to go on in this manner, he might kill Mickey O'Rooney and bring down the whole host of redskins upon the sleeping settlers, cutting them off to a man. Fred had his rifle to his shoulder and pointed toward the Indian. Suddenly stepping forward, he placed himself in the moonlight, and with the muzzle of his piece almost at the breast of the chief, he said, "'Another step forward, and I'll bore you through.' The lad did not stop to consider whether it was likely that the Indian understood the English tongue, but as it happened, Lone Wolf could use it, almost as if to the manner born, and it would have required no profound linguistic knowledge upon the part of anyone to have comprehended the meaning of the young hero. It was one of those situations in which gesture told the meaning more plainly than mere words could have done. But if ever there was an astonished aborigine, Lone Wolf was the same. It was not often that such a wily warrior as he was caught napping, but he was completely outwitted on the present occasion. When he saw the muzzle of the rifle pointed straight at his breast, he knew what it meant, even though the weapon was in the hands of a boy. It meant that any attempt on his part to raise his gun or draw his tomahawk or knife would be met by the discharge of the threatening weapon and his own passage from time into eternity. So he stared at the lad a moment, and then demanded in good English, "'What does my brother want?' I want you to leave just as quickly as you know how, and never show yourself here again. Lone Wolf's wigwam is many miles away, supplied the Indian, pointing northward, and he is on his way there now. Fred started a little at this terrible chieftain's name, but he held his gun pointed steadily towards him, determined to fire the instant he attempted the least hostile movement, for his own salvation depended upon such a prompt checkmating of his enemy. An Indian is always ready to make the best of his situation, and Lone Wolf saw that he was fairly caught. Still, he acted cautiously, in the hope of throwing the young hero off his guard so as to permit him to crush him as suddenly as if by a panther's spring. "'If your wigwam is there, it's time you were home,' said Fred. "'We are on the lookout for such customers as you, and if any of the others see you, they won't let you off so easy as I do, so the best thing is for you to leave." Lone Wolf made no direct reply to this except to take a step toward the side of the lad, as if it were involuntary, and intended to further the convenience of conversation, but Fred suspected his purpose and warned him back. "'Lone Wolf, if you want to carry your life away with you, you will go at once. I don't want to shoot you, but if you come any nearer or wait any longer, I'll fire.' I'm tired of holding this gun, and it may go off itself." The Apache chief made no answer, but, with his eyes fixed upon the lad, took a step backward as an earnest of his intention of obeying. Reaching the log, he hastily clambered over it and speedily vanished like a phantom in the gloom of the wood beyond, 
leaving the boy master of the field. End of chapter 4 Read by Thomas Rose